Welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today I want to spend a little bit of time talking about animals and food and the Old Testament law and where we are in the New Testament. This is a question that, that came in where uh, somebody was talking about uh, animals and, and food and what's right and what's not right. And honestly, I understand this question because I've encountered several people in my Christian walk who are still so caught up on some of the Old Testament laws. And it's interesting because we find a lot of people that are like, most people in the Christian world don't look at all at the Old Testament. And then those that tend to look at the Old Testament, they focus so much on the rules there and try and apply those to Christians today. And so we have a very interesting situation in which case we see some elements of the Old Testament and people trying to import those entirely into the New Testament, understanding that some things have better context, some things don't. Now, as we dive into the Old Testament laws, we have to understand that there are three types of laws that we find in the, given to the Israelites in the Old Testament. We have civil laws, we have ceremonial laws, and we have moral laws. So to understand the difference, civil laws is basically like civil law today. What are you allowed to do and not allowed to do inside of your society? Okay, we have ceremonial laws, which related specifically to the practice of your faith and your religion. What did you have to do and what were you forbidden from doing? And then you had your moral laws, the things that were, these are so high transcended laws that these are things that are currently, uh, basically things that, that were against the character of God's nature. And so moral laws generally don't shift. Whether or not society says so, whether or not uh, civil or religious things say so, whether or not a nation says so, moral laws do not shift. This is where we get some of the issues and, and circumstances with like the homosexual agenda. Like it or not, the Bible says that practicing homosexuality is called a sin according to the Bible. That is a moral law. It is in the Old Testament, it is in the New Testament, it appears to be before the time of the giving of the law. There's a lot of these different elements that we see. That is the best example of a moral law. It doesn't matter what society says. As a Christian, as a person who adheres to God, we are commanded to obey the moral law regardless of what society says. This is what protects the Christians from some of the more radical extremes of the libertarian movement. For example, the libertarians basically say, hey, anything and everything, sure, whatever, whatever should be completely legal, no matter what. That's fine with me because I am beholden to a higher God and I'd rather the government not get involved. But basically the libertarian view says there should be no civil law. Well, civil law is what keeps us as societies together. This is the thing that's kind of crumbling in our current crazy culture where we're getting so tied up over who's president and, and racial politics and, and BLM and Antifa versus Pride Boys and all this kind of stuff is happening because there's dispute about the civil law. Some people think that there's too much civil law. Some people say there's not enough. Some people would like the civil law applied to what people say. In other words, the abolishment of freedom of speech and things like that. And so the civil law, we have to understand, gets into the concepts of what we are and are not allowed to do as agreement on society, which may or may not be 
ceremonial, they may or may not be religious, they may or may not be moral. But as Christians, we have the, we always have to adopt the highest law. I'm sorry, I'm a computer geek. I will use the analysis for you fellow computer geeks of CSS, cascaded style sheets and websites. Whatever's of the lowest priority, that is the one that actually takes the, the precedent, okay? Look at that in the moral law. We have a, a ceremony, or we have a civil law. We have to obey the civil law. And then we have a ceremonial law. Anything that contradicts the two, we would have to follow the ceremonial law, what is in, in the, the matter of the life and of the church and of the practice of faith. And then you have the moral law at the very bottom. Anything in the moral law that is contradicted in the civil law or the ceremonial law, we have to obey the moral law. The moral law does have a lot of restrictions on it, but it also does not have a lot of items in it. So that is a brief introduction to these types of laws. So where do these dietary laws come into play? Were these civil laws? Were these ceremonial laws? Or were they moral laws? To a T, the moral laws from the Old Testament are reiterated in the New Testament. So there's no shift. There's no change. This is why the moral law is based upon the character of God, the immutable character of God. So non-changing. The ceremonial laws, these change based on your religion. If you're a Muslim, hey, you're not allowed to eat ham because ham is forbidden by your religious faith. Uh, many many uh, sects of Hinduism would avoid eating cows and meat. So no hamburgers for them. That's part of their ceremonial law. And then you have the civil law. Is this our nation? So if I'm, a, if I'm a, a Christian and I go to a primarily Muslim nation, I'm probably not going to be safe eating a hamburger or eating, eating bacon, I should say. Go to a, a, a Hindi place in India, I'm probably not safe eating a hamburger made out of cow. And so those will change based upon your regions, based upon the civil people around the area. So what we're actually in disputing over is found in Leviticus 11, which is under the subheading of laws about animals for food. The Lord spoke again to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, These are the creatures which you may eat from all the animals on the earth. Whatever divides a hoof, making, uh, making split hooves, and chews on the cud among the animals you may eat. Nevertheless, you are not to eat among those which chew the cud and, or among those which divide the hoof, the camel, for though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof. It is unclean to you. Likewise, the shapton... For though it chews cud, it does not divide the hoof, and it is unclean to you. The rabbit also, for it chews the cud, but does not divide the hoof, it is unclean to you. The pig, for though it divides the hoof, making, uh, making a split hoof, it does not chew the cud, therefore it is unclean for you. You shall not eat the flesh or touch their carcasses, they are unclean. So he goes into a series of rules and laws about animals and what you're allowed to eat, what you're not allowed to eat. Are these civil, are these ceremonial, or are these moral? Well, the difference in the Bible is if it is reiterated in the New Testament, it is probably part of the moral law. And so the example we used earlier, homosexuality, is reiterated in the New Testament. Therefore, it is part of the moral law, as is adultery and fornication and, and um, um, idolatry Drunkenness, kerosene, things like these, stuff that you find in the list from uh, Galatians 5 under this, the deeds of the flesh. These are portions of the moral law. They are reiterated. They are forbidden in the Old Testament. They are reiterated in the New. So we know it's not part of the, the uh, moral law. Why do we know that? Because what we find in Acts chapter 10 
is very telling. And in many other places in the New Testament, by the way, there's this constant battle breaking the Christians free from the Mosaic law. So the Mosaic law is still into effect. If you go into a primarily Jewish church, a whole lot of Jewish converts, you're not likely to eat things that were considered unclean to the Jewish nations as described by Moses. All right. But what we find in here is um, uh, we find Peter up on top of a roof at uh, Simon the Tanner's house. And uh, he goes up there to pray and he's hungry. And then we find picking up here uh, verse uh, Acts chapter 10. Let's do uh, let's pick up at verse 10. He became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making the preparations, he fell into a trance and he opened uh, this, he saw the sky open up and an object lowered down like a great sheet coming down, lowering by four corners of the ground. And all were all kinds of four-footed animals, crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him and said, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times. Immediately it was taken back up. So in other words, there's a whole lot of these considered unclean animals coming down, and he said, hey, go, get up, kill, and eat. Don't call this unholy. Paul reiterates the same thing. He says this, the exact same thing, right? That it doesn't matter if there's, if you're eating something that's of, you know, of uh, sacrifice to an idol. He says it's just meat. There's no concern. He says, if something's set in front of you, you know, and you, there's no context given on it, don't fuss about it. Now, if they come and set it before you and say, this was sacrificed and to all of our gods, etc. He says, yeah, don't eat it then, but because you're taking part of their worship. And that's the difference. And so the laws given about what we eat, not only are they not recommanded in the New Testament, they are refuted in the New Testament. Therefore, they were either part of the ceremonial law or they were part of the civil law, neither of which is binding on the Christian today. If I had my guess, I would say they were part of the civil law, that whether or not you are uh, of their Jewish faith or not, you would not partake of meals of those while you were sojourning with the Jewish nation. So I'd say they are civil laws in that respect. They didn't specifically have as much to do with the worship of their God as much as separating themselves from the people. And that's really what our civil laws can do in many ways, which you can or cannot do. So if somebody's getting all hung up about what you can and cannot eat based upon Old Testament law, this would be a good video to show them because we really see that Indeed, several places in the New Testament, the idea of, uh, of uh, forbidden foods is actually counteracted by the apostles. So there's our thoughts. Uh, let me know your, your thoughts in these. Let me know, uh, have you had an encounter with somebody that said you're not allowed to eat ham because the Old Testament says so? Let me know how you responded to that in the comments. Thanks for watching, and I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.